Hey everybody, I'm Pastor Jeff Dawes, lead pastor here at Stockbridge Community Church. And I just want to say thank you for listening to our podcast today. I hope this message inspires you and encourages you. Enjoy today's message. All right. Well, we are in a series right now called Christmas at SCC. And I certainly hope you had a wonderful Christmas. Uh, I can't help but, but note that we're kind of in that awkward time now where Christmas is over and it feels like it's time for New Year, but New Year is still a few days away. We're kind of in a celebrational limbo, if you will. And a lot of, a lot of people will kind of look toward the new year. But what I find that, that I do a little bit more is kind of reflect on the year that I've had. And that's, that's kind of what I'm hoping for today. I know many people are reflecting this year. Uh, maybe you had the birth of a child. Uh, that's a wonderful thing to experience and, and a great thing to spend some time and reflection on before we begin the next year. Um, some of us are reflecting, uh, very unfortunately, on loved ones that we did not get to spend the holidays with this year. Uh, maybe they've gone on to, to be with the Lord in heaven, what have you. And, and we reflect on that and we think through the memories that we have. Uh, many, many may be reflecting on marriages or anniversaries or new jobs or new schools or whatever it is. This is kind of this limbo period is kind of a time of reflection. And, and we'll be talking about that through the eyes of Mary and the way she reflected. We'll be talking about that today. But have you ever noticed that regardless of how smart or if you're like me, how sometimes not so smart you might be, um, when you read the scripture, God has a way of explaining things in a way, in a context that you can understand. So pastor recently spoke about the, the wise men or the magi, if you will. And, and it was a star that told them that a savior was to be born. Well, here's the thing. They spent their entire lives studying the stars. They were spoken to in a way that made sense to them. Now, in the case of the shepherds that we find in the, in the nativity at Christmas time, it wasn't a star, but an angel because they were Jewish believers and, and angels were a very, very big part of that culture. And so a chorus of angels show up to these shepherds out in the field. And I love that he spoke to them in a way that they could understand through the angels. We're going to pick up in Luke 2, 15 through 20 in the NIV. When the angels had left them and gone into heaven, the shepherds said to one another, let's go to Bethlehem and see this thing that has happened, which the Lord has told us about. What I find so crazy about that is do you feel like they feel very calm? I don't know about you, but if I'm a shepherd and I smell like sheep and I'm outside and it's dirty and cold, it's going to really freak me out if all of a sudden a chorus of angels just lights up the sky and tells me to go to this city to see the Savior be born, right? Like, but they're so calm and so chill about it. And maybe I'm the only one that notices that, but I would be freaking out, y'all. I think you would too. Imagine tomorrow night, if you're in your backyard and all of a sudden the sky just lights up and there's angels singing and proclaiming, I mean, you're going to freak out a little bit. But they were so calm. It picks back up. It says, so they hurried off and found Mary and Joseph and the baby who was lying in the manger. When they had seen him, they spread the word concerning what had been told them about this child. And all who heard it were amazed at what the shepherds said to them. But Mary treasured up all these things and pondered them in her heart. Pondered is not a word that we use a lot. So Mary was reflecting. 
She was reflecting on all of the things. The shepherds returned glorifying and praising God for all the things they had heard and seen, which were just as they had been told. Now, imagine the scene for a moment, if you will. Imagine the scene. The shepherds, you know, notice that it still says Jesus is in the manger. We don't know how many hours, but it's very likely that within the first several hours to maybe a day, because rooms would have become available in the inns the next day or the day after. This is still very, very new and very, very raw in the moment. And Mary, when every reason in the world would point that she should be freaking out and panicking, she's been spoken to by an angel. This thing's been prophesied, this happening, this birth of the Savior to a nation and ultimately to the world. And she's, you know, we don't know her age, but many think she's a very young wife and she's trying to figure out what am I going to do? The, Jesus is in a trough, basically. He's laying in the manger. The Savior's been born, but there's animals and sheep and nothing is going the way that she thought it would have gone, I promise. And she still takes a moment to reflect on everything that had happened. That's what I want for us here today, whether you're in the room or joining online. Today, the title that I, I present you with is How to Reflect on God. Because in the midst of everything that Mary was going through, she managed to teach us a lesson a couple thousand years ago that no matter what's going on, reflect on the main thing. See, I think sometimes we're all guilty of reflecting on the negative things, right? We think about what bad happened or what didn't happen or what we wanted to happen. She reflected on the main thing. The first thing I want you to write down, number one, is this. Reflect on your encounter with God. Reflect on your encounter with God. Let's look at Mary's in Luke 1, chapter 1, verse 26. It picks up, it says... In the sixth month, God sent the angel Gabriel to Nazareth, a town in Galilee, to a virgin pledged to be married to a man named Joseph, a descendant of David. Now, remember, I said that God speaks to us in a way we can understand. And to the Jews, to that culture in the Middle East, your lineage, your family tree was extremely important. So he had to give the reason they went to Bethlehem because he was in the line of David and Bethlehem is the city of David. The virgin's name was Mary. The angel went to her and said, Greetings, you who are highly favored. The Lord is with you. Mary was greatly troubled at his words and wondered what kind of greeting this might be. But the angel said to her, Do not be afraid, Mary. You have found favor with God. You will be with child and give birth to a son, and you are to give him the name Jesus he will be great and will be called the son of the most high. The Lord God will give him the throne of his father, David, and he will reign over the house of Jacob forever. And get this, his kingdom will never end. To which Mary says, how will this be since I am a virgin? The angel answered, the Holy Spirit will come upon you and the power of the most high will overshadow you. So the Holy One to be born will be called the son of of God. The question I ask you is after hearing about Mary's encounter, surely angels didn't visit all of us the first time we came in contact with God, the first time we spoke to Jesus. But do you remember your very first encounter with God? 
Do you remember the first time a scripture spoke to you after hearing it multiple times and it actually clicked? Do you remember the first time you prayed and felt that somebody was on the other end of the line listening and caring? I remember my first encounter with God. See, I grew up in the church, but how many people here today would agree with me? There's a difference between knowing God and knowing God. Like you can know all about somebody, but chances are until you have a relationship with them, you're never going to really know them. I remember I was a teenager. I was a middle school boy and we were at church summer camp. Okay. And of course, you know, being a middle school boy, the only thing I was interested for was hanging out with my friends and meeting girls. I'll be honest. That's all we cared about. And y'all sit here and nobody laughs because you're like, well, my kid does. Yes, they go for the same reason. Okay. So we got that cleared up. The girls go because they love the Lord, but the boys go because they want to beautiful double standard. Um, so but here's what happened. I remembered, and uh, I'm actually friends with, with a gentleman who pastors in Tacoa, Georgia. Uh, his name's Chad Smith. And he loves when I remind him of this because it makes him feel very old. But he was preaching at that service, and I was sitting in the very back. I mean, like I did, I was the farthest thing from the front row, okay? I was nowhere near the splash zone. I was way in the back. It was a whole thing. And I just remember, I don't remember what the music sounded like. I don't remember what he preached about. I don't remember who was standing near me, but I remember vividly the first time I truly felt the presence of God all around me. It was like a scene from a movie where, you know, there's, there's a big crowd of people and all of a sudden the spotlight's on one and nobody else is there. That's what my experience was like. I remember just, I don't remember any audible words. I just remember feeling completely enveloped by the presence of God. And in that moment, I asked to be in a relationship with him. That's all I remember about the day. As a matter of fact, that's all I remember about the whole week of camp. But I'll never forget that first encounter. And I'm willing to bet, church, that you won't forget yours either. The second thing I would like you to write down as we continue reflecting is this. Reflect on the power of God that you have witnessed. Reflect on the power of God that you have witnessed. Luke one thirty five. I love the way the message paraphrase puts this together. It says, the angel answered, the Holy Spirit will come upon you. The power of the highest hover over you. Therefore, the child you bring to birth will be called Holy Son of God. Now, in that moment, like if you're Mary, you're thinking, no way, dude. Not me. I, I, I'm a young girl from Israel. Like... I've read the Bible a couple of times. I've I've tried to do what my parents raised me to do, but there's no way I'm going to be used to bring the Savior of the world into existence. And the angel says this in verse 37, for nothing, 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 nothing is impossible with God. He answers her question without her having to ask. Nothing is impossible with God. So I would ask you another question today. What has happened in your life? where you know undeniably, unquestionably that God moved and the power of God changed something in your life. Maybe it was a a sickness you were delivered from. Maybe it was a financial burden that you, you went to God with and he helped you get out of. I know people that have experienced the power of God by praying over their appliances in their house 
And they started working again because they couldn't afford to buy another one. I have seen God move and heard stories of God's power. There's one specific time and uh, in my own life where a mountain, where God moved a mountain. And uh, it was very early. How many people know that before you get married, you know everything about marriage, right? I'm the only one. All right. Everybody else needs to repent today. We'll pray now. No, look, before you get married, it's almost like people who aren't parents. Before your parents, you know everything about parenting until you become one. Well, that was the case. Uh, my wife, Jessica, and I, who's in this service, so uh, I'm going to try to tell this story very, uh, very well. But, uh, but we thought we knew everything. And we got married when we were teenagers. We were just kids. And I love reminiscing and reflecting on those old photos. I had a little more hair, and I was a little more statuesque, if you will, in those days. But, but I remember we thought we knew everything, and we had been praying for, uh, to conceive a child. We, we were in our early 20s at the time, and, and we prayed and prayed, and, and we, did, you know, we, we did so faithfully, and we believed that God was going to make this happen for us. And then all of a sudden it happened, and it was like the clouds parted, and we were so excited. Unfortunately, a few weeks in, very early into the pregnancy, we lost the baby. And we learned very quick that we knew nothing about marriage. We didn't know how to communicate. We both handled things completely differently. You know, I I was the one, I'm going to use my faith as a mask and just say, well, God's going to provide. When the truth was, I was falling apart. Jessica was a little more honest with the way she was feeling. And I'll be honest with you. I didn't handle that well because I didn't want to deal with it. I didn't want to process it. And things got so bad that we got to the worst place that we have ever been to this date in our marriage. We were even talking about futures that might not involve the other one. That's how bad things were. I remember, I remember the first time I, I felt God's presence, but I also remember the first time I truly felt his power. And it is something that is undeniable. When you feel it and experience it, and there's no doubting, you know. We had had a a couple of, you know, highs and lows throughout that relationship. And like I said, I I wasn't the nicest person in those days. And we, um, we ended up finding out on my birthday that we were expecting again. So it's like, okay, all right, and I'll be honest. I wish I could tell you today that that was one of the greatest things I'd ever heard. But in that moment, I didn't really want to hear it. I was still mad. I was still hurting and and just mad at everything. We agree, and I go with her to the uh, to a doctor's appointment. It was, the, it was supposed to be the first time we heard his heartbeat. It's my son Christian, by the way. He's eleven now. This is many years ago, but but I remember the first time we heard his heartbeat. As good as I can see each of you in the room right now, I can hear it that well, like that that little melody. And you may know what I'm talking about if you're a parent. Like, I just remember, and I'm not going to make the sound because it won't be good, but I just remember hearing it. And in that moment, the power of God just, it, I felt it in my life. I felt it in my body, in my spirit. I felt the power of God in that room. It's like everything changed when God's power came into the game. Even the fact that my mother-in-law was in the room, and that's a whole nother story for a whole nother sermon. But the fact that I was happy she was there in that moment was its own testimony. And I felt God move through the doctor, the nurse, through Jessica and I, and that heartbeat that I'll never forget. I have no doubt that God's power is real. And here's what I can tell you. I've read the Bible front to back, as I'm sure many of you have. And, and, 
what I've noticed is that nobody, nobody meets God and leaves the same. When you meet God, when you enter into that relationship and you feel the presence and power of God, you change. Something in you will change. It was amazing, amazing to feel that. I was talking to some friends not too long ago, um, uh, Lee and Michelle Cato, and uh, they shared with me that when they first got, kind of first gave their lives to Jesus and tried to start living on the straight and narrow and reading God's word and going to him in prayer and honoring him in their lives and their finances and with their family and everything else, they remembered, uh, they, they were kind of recalling that they sat around at the kitchen table one day and were like, you know, none of our friends call us anymore. They've all changed. All of our friends have changed. They don't call us. They don't want to go out. They don't want to do anything. And a couple days go by and they revisit that conversation. And then they realize something. They didn't change or their friends didn't change. They had changed and their friends could see that. There was something different in their life because the power of God had changed their life. Amen. Nobody meets Jesus and stays the same. The third thing I'd like you to write down. The third thing we want to reflect on is reflect on the faithfulness of God. Reflect on the faithful, the faithfulness of God. Luke two and four. So Joseph also went up from the town of Nazareth and Galilee to Judea, to Bethlehem, the town of David, because he belonged to the house and line of David. He went there to register with Mary who was pledged to be married to him. Now, Many people will read that and say, what do you mean? Were they not married when Jesus was born? No, yes, they were. It was a long process. But what this verse actually is teaching us is that they had not consummated the marriage, which was also a fulfillment of prophecy, and was expecting a child while they were there. The time came for the baby to be born, and she gave birth to her firstborn, a son. She wrapped him in clothes and placed him in a manger because there was no room for them in the inn. What I want to point out here is that everything the angel had promised had come to pass. God's faithfulness was on full display. God said it, it happened. God said it, the angel delivered the information, and it happened. Every word of God's promises. Now, I shared with you the story of the first time I heard Christian's heartbeat, but there's another chapter to that story. There's another chapter to that story. Months would go by, and... Jessica would tell me one night that she didn't feel good. Something was just off. Something was wrong. And I regret to inform you that I was like, you probably just ate something that didn't agree with you. Says, by the way, men, if your pregnant wife ever says that something isn't wrong or something isn't right, don't blame dinner. Dinner has nothing to do with it, okay? They know what they know. So we get up, we go to the hospital, and we find out that she has a condition called preeclampsia. Some of you may be familiar. Uh, I wasn't. But, but it escalated very quickly to something much more severe called HELP syndrome. And when that happened, all bets were off. Business had to be taken care of right then and there. So she had an emergency C-section. And Christian was very small because he was very premature. So immediately they usher him out to go to the NICU. And we think, okay, well, everything's cool. They're going to pump him full of calories is basically what they told us. Get him up to weight and you guys will be good. Until Jessica went to sleep and didn't wake up that night. They thought she had had a stroke. 
They started listing the laundry list of things that it could be. And they took her, that's before we found out of the diagnosis of HELP syndrome. They took her to the ICU and, and I'm embarrassed. I'm ashamed to tell you that so much of her body had changed in just a few short hours. She had swollen, her face looked different. When the nurse walked me past her bed in ICU, taking me to see her for the first time, I kept walking because I didn't recognize her. I'll never forget the way I felt when the nurse grabbed my elbow and said, no, no, right here, sweetie. And I said, no, and she said, no, this, this is your wife. So went over and I sat with her and I didn't know what to say or what to think or what to do. And all I could do was reflect in that moment. God, why would everything come back together and be made so perfect, better than we had ever been, just for this to happen now? I remember, and I don't think he'll mind me sharing this, Pastor Jeff actually came up and prayed with us. Jessica was in a coma for the better part of a week. And Pastor came up and prayed with us. And later he would share that he, while he had faith and he had hope, his logical brain told him that, that might be the last time he would see her. But I want to tell you a little bit today about the faithfulness of God. Because on Jessica's birthday, she got to walk out of ICU. She was healed. God was faithful. Not only that, not only that, even more a testament to the faithfulness of God. When all of those crazy things were going on, and she had actually gone into a coma and then come out and then went back in for almost another week, it was a whole thing. I learned so much about so much in so little time. But we found out, you know, we didn't do the paperwork for Christian's birth certificate. And what we found out when we finally did, Christian was born exactly one year to the date from the day we lost our first child. You will not convince me that our God is not faithful. Amen, church? You will not. You will not. And I want to tell you something, too. If you're here or you're joining online and you don't know what that faithfulness feels like and you've never experienced that encounter or that power of God, I want to challenge you. We've, we've included a prayer inside your program and in the online program as well. It's called the prayer to become a Christ follower. I want to introduce you to him, but not just to know him, but to be in relationship with him. And if you do that on the back of your connection card or on your online digital connection card, I would just ask, check that box. Let us know. I want to pray for you and send you some resources to start you out in your walk with Christ. Amen. Amen. The fourth thing, the last thing that we're going to reflect on, reflect on God's promise for the future. Reflect on God's promise for the future. Luke 2 and 11 was the proclamation that reads, Today in the town of David, a Savior has been born to you. He is Christ the Lord. And in 2.19, we revisit what we've said a few times already. Mary treasured up all these things and pondered them in her heart. In a season of chaos, Mary took time to reflect on the most important thing. Later in life, Jesus would say this as an adult. In John 14, 1 through 3, he says, Let not your heart be troubled. You believe in God, believe also in me. In my Father's house are many mansions. If it were not so, I would have told you. I go to prepare a place for you. And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again. I will receive you to myself, that where I am, there you may be 
also. I love that at this time of year, we, we say, you know, Jesus is the reason for the season. You know, we like our rhymes in church, don't we? I know pastor does. I enjoy them. But uh, he's the reason for the season. But, but what we don't see sometimes is what that actually means. You see, the wreath is a reflection of a crown. We decorate our homes with wreaths, right? It is actually a reflection way back even before Jesus' time of a crown. And while Jesus would wear a crown, he would wear a much different crown. I want to share this image with you. See, this is the season, but this is the reason. You can't have one without the other. I love Christmas. Christmas is a tale of the beginning of the Savior, but Easter... Easter is the reason Christmas happened. You see, they balance one another. Because I want to tell you something. If Jesus had not lived his life and done his ministry and died on that cross to to forgive all of the sins, past, present, and future of all of the world, and give us a way to get back to the Father in heaven, then Christmas really wouldn't have served a purpose. There would have been a baby born that was the Savior of the world. But if Easter didn't happen... No one would be saved. And the, the opposite is true as well. Because if Easter happens but Christmas doesn't happen, then it's not a savior on the cross. He's the reason for the season that we are celebrating right now. And as we reflect on that, and we've learned a little bit about the things Mary reflected on, and we've all reflected on our own stories a little bit today. We've reflected on our encounters with God. And I know the beauty of those is that everyone is different. Every single one of us met him differently. I'm willing to bet most of us, if not all of us, didn't have an angel show up in our bedroom. We've reflected on our encounter. We've reflected on the power of God, the faithfulness of God, and the fact that because of the cross, we have a future because of God. When you came in today, you should have received uh, communion, uh, communion supplies. If you did not, and you'll really quick, just shoot up your hand. Somebody will take care of you. But the Apostle Paul reflected. He reflected on the Lord and all that Jesus had done. And in 1 Corinthians 11, this is what he says. For I received from the Lord what I also passed on to you. The Lord Jesus, on the night he was betrayed, took bread. And when he had given thanks, he broke it and said, this is my body, which is for you. Do this in remembrance of me. If you would, if you would peel back that top layer on your cup, would you take the wafer with me now? And let's reflect for a moment. After that, the verse continues. In the same way, after supper, he took the cup saying, this cup is the new covenant in my blood. Do this whenever you drink it in remembrance of me. If you'll peel back the second layer. Let's take the juice together. If you'll stand with me today, church.
I'd like to read this last verse together, and then I'd like to pray for you as we usher in a time of worship together. He, content, he concluded with this. He said, For whenever you eat this bread and drink this cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. You notice that it doesn't end when it says you proclaim the Lord's death? Because just like Easter had, there had to be a Christmas for there to be an Easter. There's another chapter and he is coming back one day. Amen. He's coming back for his children who love him. We want to reflect this year on all the goodness of God, everything that he's done for us. Let's pray. Father God, as we close out this year with a time and a season of reflection over these next few days before we begin the new year. God, let us remember our encounters with you. Let us remember what that very first experience was like when we had no doubt that you were present in our lives. God, as we reflect on your power and your faithfulness, God, remind us that we're not just starting a new year, but we're taking one more step toward the future that you have promised for us and that Jesus gave us when he gave his life for us on the cross. God, as the song we're about to sing, as it says, with every breath that I have, with every breath that I am able, I will sing of the goodness of God. Let us reflect on that goodness. In Jesus' name, everybody said, amen. Amen. Would you worship with this church?